to motivate young girls because sometimes they can feel like think now that we felt that our voice didn't matter so we want to show them that they also can talk and they also can like have a voice I'm Annabelle Prokopi, and a couple years ago, I stepped into the world of a young climate activist, and I haven't looked back. I believe in creating powerful and measurable change while thinking deeper about the topics you're fighting for. This is the On Strike with Insight podcast. And you're listening to Activism from All Angles. This is a series of conversations with activists from all around the world who bring to the table different perspectives, mindsets, and questions. We talk about the climate crisis, its intersectionality, youth leadership, and so much more. This is a series for everyone, whether you call yourself an activist or not. Let's do it. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Emiliana Rickenman. I am from Colombia, but I am currently living in Switzerland. I am studying medicine and I started doing activism about a year ago since the crisis in the Amazon rainforest. I decided to do something. So I joined Fridays for Future Bogota and I started working with them and my most important thing and what I do most is working on the Escazú agreement oh, well in campaigns about the Escazú agreement so I worked with FFF Digital, uh, Digital as well and Fridays for Future International along other groups in Latin America so we made a campaign and an open letter, and yes, and after that, I co-founded Latinas for Climate with other girls from Latin America. So yeah, and okay, when I moved uh, into Trent, because I moved here in August last year, I tried to join Climate Strike Switzerland, but I don't have a lot of time, so I... I'm not very active there. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Right. And a lot of what you just mentioned, we're actually planning to talk about in this episode, which is very exciting, very interesting. And let's just dive right into the climate crisis in Colombia. Um, obviously, each community is going to be different. You know, we see that difference in every country. But what are some of the effects that you think that communities across Colombia are potentially already seeing and will be seeing in the future due to the climate crisis? And what are some of the key factors and key issues that listeners should be aware of? So, well, Colombia is kind of a huge country mm-hmm. and especially it's uh, we have a lot of biodiversity because we have like oceans and the Amazon rainforest. So we really have very different things in the same place, which is great, but at the same time, it leads us to face a lot of 
consequences of the climate crisis. And another problem is that our country is very poor in some places and we also have a lot of privileged people. So the difference between the two of them is huge. So having that and seeing that shows that the consequences of the climate crisis that some people are already facing is like a very, it's a huge difference because there's people that have the, the ways to face the climate, the consequences in a good way. Or for example, people who live in big cities are not really facing the consequences, but it also depends on what part of the city you live. So I think the problem is that the country is facing or will face, but I, I can say that it's already facing the consequences. But as I said before, like there's a lot of people, the most vulnerable people that are facing it in a, in a worse way. So I think that's the problem because there's a huge difference. So for example, last year in one island that we have in our country, there was a huge storm and they didn't have the structure, like the houses were made of very bad materials. So they lost everything. While other people who lived in the beach, like in the area, but they were they had money and like resources to face that were not that affected so we are already experimenting like those issues so yes i think we will be and we are already being very affected but not all colombian people but just the most vulnerable people Right. Um, Intersectionality, classism, we see this in the climate crisis all the time. We see this as the root issue, you know. Communities of low income are going to be facing the brunt of the climate crisis, whereas communities with high income, um, very privileged communities, are going to be able to save off the worst effects of this crisis in the near future. Yeah, I think intersectionality and having privilege in mind is one of the most important things in climate activism, but not just climate, like activism in general, because like, as we said before, like intersectionality is the key and everything is actually connected. So Mm -hmm. the issues, the social issues, for example, are very important in this crisis. And as you said, amplifying the voices of the most affected people is the most important thing to do because for example now that we are trying to get uh, action and like to politician to take action and make something uh, to face the climate crisis uh, sometimes people that are actually privileged are taking those voices and they are not um advocating for every everyone because everyone is living a very different reality so sometimes we kind of we can forget and like um ignore some people and some realities so the 
the best thing to do is to give them a voice because they also have a voice. They, it's like um, climate activism is not just to um, ask for solutions and like to uh, people to take action, but it's also to amplify the voices or the uh, of the people who are already facing the climate crisis. And I think the best example is that we have these everyone is saying that yes we have to fight for our future and i think saying that it's already a privilege that mm. the fact that you can say that you are fighting for your future while there's people already fighting for their present it's like a huge privilege and it shows that we can we can easily forget the other realities after discussing the cruciality of intersectionality in the climate movement and the privilege of its effects on communities in Colombia and around the entire world, I wanted to hear more about what Emiliana herself was doing to amplify the voices of minorities and women. She is one of the co-founders of Latinas for Climate, an organization based in Latin America that's working to amplify and empower the voices of women and girls in the fight for climate action. Here's more on that. Now, talking about Latinas for Climate, we saw that there's a lot of, like, there's a lack of representation of Latino, Latino people, and especially Latinas women, because there is also, like, a gender problem in climate activism. Mm -hmm. As we said before, everything mm -hmm. is connected, so, yeah. yes. So, it, we took, like, the three things we were most passionate about and that we knew there, were, there was a, a problem with that. So we took the climate crisis, the gender crisis and social issues because we want to amplify, um, as I said before, the voices of the, yeah, the most affected people. And Latin America is, well, the countries in Latin America are facing a lot of issues, but they're Oh, they also have a lot of awesome activism, activists and passionate, passionate people that want to fight. Sometimes they are ignored because the media and everyone is focused on the global North activists mm. and like white activists that they are making a great work. But as we said before, they can't advocate for everything and especially because if they are not living that reality so mm -hmm. it's better to just give them a voice so we want to like support those activists from Latin America that want to wants to do something but they are not very heard and like we want to give it to give them a voice and also for example we are also very interested to motivate girls i mean young girls because sometimes they can feel like think now that activists now in some point we felt that we our voice didn't matter or like wasn't enough so we want to like show them that even though the people they see, for example, Greta or other activists that are usually from Europe or the United States, 
they are okay, but they also can talk and they also can like have a voice. So mm -hmm. that's the that that's one of the goals of Latinos for Climate, and also like of course to show the the connection between gender issues and uh, social and climate issues. Already, from what I'd heard, the gravity and the importance of this movement was clear. I was interested in hearing more about the founding of this movement, about her visions and the goals and the motivations behind Latinas for Climate. And her answer was really inspiring. So we actually, we are eight girls from Latin America mm -hmm. and we actually met on working on the Escazú campaign of mm -hmm. our countries because as I said before we were working like along different um, groups from Latin America so each of us we were working on it and then we met and we were like okay we we can do something because in that moment we we saw and for example we were trying to get the attention and like to get help from um, local groups from Europe or like the global north and we were we felt very ignored in some way and we realized that like there's a lot of like I, what I said before, a lack of representation, and we wanted to change that. So at first we started working also on Escazú and we haven't stopped because some of our countries haven't ratified the agreement. So we're still working on that, but we have also worked. And now we are very focused on the showing and educating people about the intersectionality because as we we have been talking about it for the whole time but there's a lot of people that don't see the relation that there's between social issues and the other issues that are actually very very uh, related so we want to show that but with gender perspective and also trying to show people from the global north or like other countries what's the reality in Latin America because there's also a misconception of our countries and like realities so we want to use our Instagram platform to break those ideas and to educate people. So we talk about different issues and we try to translate them in different languages so information can be more accessible. And we also have been working with different groups. For example, we have we made some webinars about feminism, but of course talking about the climate crisis so we try to when we get invited to uh, spaces to talk for example they are not always related with what we do i mean they are but not specifically gender climate and social issues so mm -hmm. we try to bring 
the other two because for example it's always one of them it's always climate crisis or feminism so when it is about feminism we try to talk about the climate crisis and how it affects affects women or when it's about the climate crisis we want to talk about women in the climate movement or how women are more affected so we are always trying to show both sides because for example there's like a huge movement of feminism right now and it's amazing but there's a lot of people that doesn't know the the, the relation between those issues uh, those two issues so yes we are trying to like open the eyes of people and to show that everything is connected and like intersectionality is the key <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned that you guys came together to advocate for Eskazoo. So we can talk about Eskazoo and um, what is Eskazoo and why is it so important to pass this legislation and ratify it in many different countries? Yes, I I got so used to talk about Eskazoo that I forget (laughs) that not everyone knows about it. So yeah, Escasu is um, an agreement that it got um, created two years ago uh, with the goal of connect two different issues, uh, the climate crisis and human rights. So it's an agreement who is trying to bring justice for environmental defenders, especially because Latin America is there's a lot of countries in Latin America that are very dangerous for uh, environmental leaders. Um, I am from Colombia and actually Colombia is the most dangerous country in the world to be an environmental leader. But um, I want to clarify, I don't identify as an environmental leader. That's like very different. Maybe um, in the future I can talk more about it. But yeah, one of the goals of this Casu agreement is um, justice because there's a lot, they, there have been a lot of murders. So they want to bring justice and also information, access to information because we also have a problem. I am talking about we because Latin America have, like the countries are different, but we have similar realities. Um, so, um, the access to information is very important because we have a very um, huge problem of corruption. So there's always uh, business and things that people actually don't know about it. And they are creating a huge, huge problems with like for the people, I don't know, uh, maybe health issues or just they are destroying the land because they are making a, I don't know, something to build um, a building. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But like those things that people actually don't know about it, they just see what is happening and like they are doing that and maybe they will get a job for that but the information about the consequences in in the climate or like in the environment that that will create are not clear and sometimes are not even accessible so this agreement wants to like 
make that clear and that everyone can access to that and like they can know about what's going on and what they want to make in their um, in their city or where so that's one thing and the last part of the agreement is participation and that's a very important one because it's actually very related to access of information to information because when they get to make decisions they actually doesn't include the people who will be affected by that and that's like the thing we were talking before and it's we have to hear and to listen to the people that are affected so if in the during the process of making and the decisions they don't listen to the people affected at the end these people will be ignored and they will suffer from the consequences without even being asked if they were okay with that so um, this is trying to the agreement is trying to make people participate in those spaces we can destroy the gap between the legislations and the people because sometimes we see that very far away because you just live and you see what's going on around you and like what they are doing around you, the government or the private things. But you feel that you can't do anything even though you know that will affect you in the future or that that's affecting you. So that's what the agreement is standing for. And one thing I want to add, it's like the problem with the indigenous people uh, because they are like very affected about those things because they have like their own land and they live in some specific places um, of the country, talking about Colombia, but like there's a lot of countries as well, but um, they see a lot of consequences when they someone gets to build something in their land and sometimes they are not even asked or they get killed for trying to avoid that and there's like an statistic that i i saw recently and i was very shocked and is that in our uh congress we have 171 congressmen and just two of them are from an indigenous community so how do we want to like help them and trying to including them if we don't listen to them because we are literally like not even ignoring them but like we are not letting them talk because they are just two people representing the whole indigenous community communities mm -hmm. in Colombia so that's very unfair and that's a thing that the Escazú agreement wants to change if there is one thing that you take out of this episode, it's that representation is key. It's key in government. It's key in activism. It's key just about everywhere. Emiliana mentioned how she doesn't identify as an environmental leader, and I was curious to know more about that. And what she says 
is really crucial and it really makes me assess my own privilege. So I think when we talk about um, climate activism in this case, I don't know if in other countries, but for example, in Colombia, I think it's very different to call you an activist and a defender, mm-hmm. especially like an environmental defender or a land defender or defender in general, because there's different issues, but I think the most important and like the one that makes the difference, it's the safety. And for example, most of the activists um, that are in like movements or NGOs or different movements, young movements or just climate movements are based in big cities and like they are not in the um, they are not far away from the civilization if you want to say that like um of course where the defenders live they there is civilization but like not a big city mm-hmm. so for example i have i honestly have never been i have never received a death threat or like a threat even a threat like the only time I felt in danger was in like protest, but like because of police brutality. But defenders, on the other hand, they are facing. They are not. They are not not just defending the environment or their land, but that leads to like a lot of other issues because our country has a lot of violence issues and like drugs issues so when you don't live in a big city and you are like in a land trying to defend that land from the other groups that want something from it they want to like I don't know there's like a lot of things but uh, you are not just facing the people who are against your ideas but also people who are against you and what you want to do and like they literally kill people for that and that's why Colombia it's like a very dangerous country to be a defender because there's like a lot of issues mixed up so if you are not safe like in the city because sadly the government has very abandoned those places so if you are alone facing like five different groups that disagree with you and you are also not protected by the government because you live very far away from the city that's very dangerous and you literally face like you are literally fighting for your life as well so it's very different uh, to advocate from the city, for example, than from a very far away area where you you find different issues. So I think like the difference can be the privilege of being safe, like to fight in a safe way. And of course, there's also other things included in that most of the times those defenders are actually social leaders. So they are like a whole community 
is behind them and they mm -hmm. are learning from them and like um, following their steps. So it's very different. Wow. In general, I think like summarizing everything I have said and something that I really want to like people to take with them yeah. is that we all can advocate for the climate crisis and we all should. It's amazing how the climate movement is growing up and there's a lot more of people interested and like that they are realizing that they have a voice and they can talk and they can do things and they don't have to just sit there seeing this sad news about the climate crisis uh, without mm -hmm. doing anything and that's great but we also have to be careful when we try to uh, to advocate for people and issues without actually giving them the voice because sometimes we feel like we are helping but at the same time we are taking away the opportunity from them to talk because Sometimes we feel like they can't talk, but actually they have a lot to say, just mm -hmm. not the place to talk because exactly like there's other people already there that they actually do not represent a hundred percent that and that there's other people that actually does um, do. So I think like we always have to have that in mind, but like that that doesn't mean that you can't advocate for the climate crisis like there's different spaces different topics different things that you can do and other things is like always think about your privilege mm -hmm. and um about that talking about privilege there's another thing i want to say and it's we have like a lot of problems for example in colombia Okay, not a lot of problems, with, but we have an issue with that. And it's that people think that we are all vul vulnerable. And that's not true. In Colombia, there's also people, privileged people and not privileged people. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that sometimes people feel like because they are from Colombia, they can advocate from for all the Colombian people. And that's not true. For example, I have never experienced the consequences of the climate crisis directly, so I can't say that I am a vulnerable people that needs like a space to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So even though I am from Colombia, I also have privilege, and I, I I have to have that in mind, and I try to not just me but like for example in our local group that is all actually from Bogota so it's like the capital so it's like a very big city that mm. of course there's people like vulnerable people in Bogota but mostly of them are privileged so we want like our goal and our job is to find people from Colombia, like actually affected people to talk and not not just take the tension and talk us, but always having in mind that there's other people that need to be heard. So we always have to have our privilege in mind and 
knowing that there's other people who need to be heard. Other thing is that it's not, there's other people that climate and activism in general is not their first interest because they have other things, especially if they are actually facing the consequences, not just of the climate crisis, but like social issues because there's a lot. So we, it's not easy to ju just ask them for their time and just like, because they have other things to do, but that doesn't mean that there is no one that want to, wants to talk about that. So yeah, it's like having that in mind and always try to find the good person to talk and not like taking away those opportunities. If you listen to my episode called The Hidden System of Environmental Racism with Danielle Sipp, you can see how this idea applies basically anywhere in the world. Even here, from where I'm recording in the United States, there are communities, primarily communities of low income and of color, who are already feeling the consequences of the climate crisis. On the other hand, there are privileged communities who are not. This is evident in every community, in every state, in every country. And as activists, or just as people in general, we always need to remember to hold space and to listen to the people who are most affected. You can make a difference. Even if you don't have a lot of time, if you're affected by the climate crisis, share your story. If you're not, amplify on social media. Share posts, share information, and educate yourself. You can even get involved in local groups. There's no need to start something new if there's already something that exists. You can add your voice to the fight and you can make a big difference. Here, Emiliana shares some other tangible ways that you can get involved and her firsthand experience of not really having a lot of time, but still being able to add her voice to the movement. I can easily talk about that because I am actually studying medicine, so it's very hard to find the time. Mm -hmm. um, so I am actually now, I am taking a break from activism because I can't handle both things. Mm -hmm. But um, one thing that I have learned and that I have found is that you can always try to find the link between what you are doing in your life and the climate crisis. For example, I found different um, groups about um, health and climate uh, activism. And they are trying to change things at the hospital and like the, in the university. So it's great because you always, Okay, not always, but like you can try to find a way that is not a life-changing thing uh, to activism because it's actually not hard like to do things. As you said, you can literally just amplify voices and sharing campaigns and stories and things um, in your platform. So there's always a way to get involved you don't have to be 100% involved to consider yourself an actual activist because that's not true and everyone has like other things to do mm -hmm. as well so you just have to find the thing that it get like fits better 
uh, with your time and like with your schedule, but that you feel that you are actually helping. Um, and I think that there's a lot of people who judge people who post uh, issues on their Instagram story, for example, because they say like, yeah, you share that, but what else are you doing? And I feel like I understand that in some points, like people who are just saying that things are wrong, but they are not doing anything else to change. But at the same time, I feel like it's super important to share those uh, things, especially where when they are things that are not really spoken. For example, intersectionality is a thing that there's a lot of people who don't know about it. So mm, I feel like it's important to actually put those um, topics in spaces like Instagram that are actually made to like escape from reality and just see nice pictures. But when you share issues like that, you are like doing a kind of activism because you are um, making uncomfortable people talk by talking out those issues. So um, even though you share a story or like you get involved um, by amplifying, I think you are doing something. Of course, if you can, you can try to get more involved like with your local groups. Um, in your city or if you, in your country, but if you don't have the time, I think you can find other ways, other ways to help, and that's okay. To wrap things up after this incredible conversation, we quickly talk about the COP26 and the necessity of equal representation in that event. Now, there's a lot of of campaigns and for example in latinas for climate we are starting to work on that and is trying to get these people like the actually affected people to uh go to the cop 26 because problem with the other cops that have taken place before is that they for example in the one 2019 uh was like most of the people that were there were from Europe or the United States and it shows the lack of representation and it literally shows how bad the everything is now uh, because if we don't listen to the people that are already facing the climate crisis while we are making the decisions to take action we can't really take action because we are not having in mind what they have to say. Um, so I think a very important thing now is to like fight for representation there because we can't expect to get real solutions from people that are not living or facing the consequences. And like I can say again what I said before and it's like the best example is is that politicians are saying that we have time and they are not acting now and like they haven't taken real actions because they think 
that they they have time but they have time but there's other countries other people that do not have the time and they are already facing those consequences but other countries that are not show are showing that they doesn't they don't care because like there's they are not acting because they have time mm. but they show that they are leaving behind those the ones who are who doesn't have the time and i mean that literally shows everything and describes the whole situation so mm. it's really sad but i really hope that now that intersectionality is taking more place and like people are starting to think about it and to talk about it maybe we will uh, we'll see a change a difference mm-hmm. and just to bring this point home as we finish up this episode the climate crisis is here it's not something that's in the distant future it is here and this is what everybody needs to know politicians everyone listening to this episode everyone who isn't listening to this episode needs to know this we can find solutions but only if we work with this sense of urgency and that just makes what we are doing so much more powerful so much more important and with that thank you emiliana for coming on on strike with insight today this was a wonderful conversation and i'm very excited for listeners to be able to hear it very soon it's it's very important that we all uh, realize how important and how urgent is to take action cop 26 will take place in november in glasgow and youth around the world are demanding that people who are most affected by the climate crisis are not only allowed to participate but encouraged to attend for more information and to stay updated be sure to follow mock cop 26 on instagram and look for live updates and get involved more on COP26 in future episodes. And be sure to follow at Latinas for Climate on Instagram to stay updated with the incredible work that Emiliana and her team are doing to amplify the voices of those throughout Latin America who are most affected by the climate crisis. Thank you for listening to On Strike with Insight, activism from all angles. I hope this conversation helps you to think about world issues, activism, and the climate crisis through a different lens and push you to consider how you can get involved. For updates on my podcast and the exciting Activism from All Angles series, follow at OnStrikeWithInsight on Instagram. And it would be incredible if you headed over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and left a star rating and a review to help my podcast reach more listeners. If you'd like to get involved with the podcast or be featured in a future Activism from All Angles episode, send me a DM or email me at annabelleprocopy at gmail.com. See you for the next episode of On Strike with Insight.